Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries of First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org. Our reading comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't, we aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers and authorities, forces of cosmic darkness and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day. And after you have done everything possible to still stand, so stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet so that you are ready to spread the good news of peace above all. Carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Offer prayers and petitions in the spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes this secret plan of the gospel known. I am ambassador I am an ambassador in chains for the sake of the gospel. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, we're so thankful for this opportunity to be in your house, oh Lord. We're thankful for the opportunity to hear your word. Because we know that your word is living and alive and is, is, is it wants to touch our, hear, our ears, that we have opportunity to respond to your word anew today, Lord. So we open our hearts and our minds and our spirits receive new your word so that we can leave out of here a little bit better and ready to transform the world as the word has transformed us. In Christ, we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but um, have you ever... Um, paid an HBO subscription to Showtime for a fight or, or anything like that? Any boxing fans in the room? Or uh, what are those other people who are fighting the Cajuns? Cajuns? They, they do a lot of kicking and stuff? Those folks? Yes, those. And we pay a lot of money for those fights, right? And we hate, hate, hate when the fights don't go to the 12th round, right? We feel cheated. And we often say, that's a fixed fight. Have y'all done it before? Yes. We, we, we hate to feel cheated. We want all our, all our time, all the money we spent. And we hate fixed fights. And even on to sports, other than I'm a huge um, NBA um, fan, and if you, don't, if, you, if you don't know, LeBron James is one of my favorite players. <laughs> That's no secret. And so during the playoffs, I, I post all types of things. And when they're winning, they always say the refs have fixed the fight. Nobody likes a fixed fight. But I'm here to say today that we can claim this 
phrase, it's a fixed fight, because we are Christians. You know who the object of our faith is? It's God who's revealed in Jesus Christ. And we know that the victory has already been won through Jesus Christ. It's a fixed fight. And we, we want to walk around and, and claim that identity and say it boldly. No matter what we're going through in life, we say to ourselves, it's a fixed fight. And so we find ourselves in the letter to the church of Ephesus. And like Paul, or Paul-like, we know that Paul had some help writing his letters. And this is one of the contested letters, but it doesn't matter. It's in the corpus of our, our scripture, and it is um, there to provide us teachings of the gospel. And so before we get to chapter 6 and we hear to put on the armor of God, we have to kind of back up and figure out how we can even put on the armor of God. You know how we, we begin there? We, we have to go back to our baptisms. You know, our baptisms that happened so long ago, and we often forget about it. We see a font there in the corner there, and every once in a while we have a baby, and we'll, we'll welcome the baby into the church through baptism. But it's in our baptisms that it all begins there. In our baptisms, as Paul reminds us, and the blessings of God that God gives to us, that God knew early on, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God, the Word was God. When they were there talking and, and um, creating the world together, they knew that there would be a problem of evil. And thanks be to God that God knew us better than we knew ourselves, that God created something called grace for us. And in the baptism is grace, it's provenient grace. A lot of us were brought by our families, our sponsors, our parents, to be baptized. And in that moment, we said some powerful words in this liturgy. And we, as babies, we were oblivious to what was going on. But God's grace was present in that moment. And the church gathered around and, and confessed to be a part of your walk. And in this baptism, we are giving the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's two things that happens to us outwardly. Our relationship with God changes. We are made righteous. We are justified. And then something else happens that we often forget about. The gift of the Holy Spirit is imputed upon, in, in us. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit residing in us. And when we are able to, to respond responsibly, we take ownership of our faith. We have gifts that are in our baptism, spiritual blessings that allow us to even have faith enough to put on the armor of God. It begins and starts in our baptism. And we are here gathered. Baptisms are not in isolation. They're part of a community. And everything we have, Scripture, is in the community of the church. We have so far gone off into our individual lives that we see baptisms and, and everything that we do in church as an individualistic moment. But it is walking into this church, walking into a time that stopped but is still yet present because of what God has done in the past, invite us into that moment and allow us to participate every single opportunity if we respond to God's grace that is present the gift of the Holy Spirit, the scripture in Ephesians reminds us that we have been given the inheritance, the seal, the mark. 
we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we're not able to do anything. We're not able to be transformed. We're not able to be, to be new creatures in Christ. So it begins that we have to know whose we are in order to be able to say, it's a fixed fight. I'm going to put on the armor of God. We have to know whose we are. And you know who you are? You're adopted children of God. And God did not want to leave us in our own defenses. That God gives us God's grace and gives us the pouring out of the Holy Spirit to live into that reality. We're not old creatures, we're new creatures. And Scripture says that we're risen with Christ, we're co-heirs with Christ. And that because we are co-heirs with Christ, because we have a, a changed relationship with God and we are new creatures in Christ, we have this Holy Spirit, that means that we are now able to be the light in darkness. And I know the scripture talks about some things that are kind of taboo. We don't want to talk about evil. We don't even want to say the word devil. You know, these things are far removed from our vocabulary, but they are part of our faith. And Paul, the end of his letter, after he's telling this community how that they are not the same, that God has reconciled everyone, Greek or Jew, male or female, that's no more race that we constructed over time. All that has gone out. We're reconciled. And we, because we're reconciled, we can pass the peace in our congregation. We don't do that anymore because COVID, but passing the peace is an act of resistance. Y'all know that? Act of resisting evil because we can't possibly live in unity with one another if we are not in peace with one another. So what Paul is saying, yeah, you, you, are, you have spiritual blessings, you are new because of the baptism, and he's moving on and telling them how to live in unity. And all the benefits that you once were in darkness, just like the heathens. You used to do everything that made you feel good. You used to do everything that was wrong and wasn't right. They said, you're not that anymore. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of Jesus. Take on the mind of Christ. It's all been given to us. A gift. If we unwrap that gift and every day make a conscious effort to respond. Gifts of grace, the gifts of sacraments of baptism and the Lord's table are not cheap gifts. It's not cheap grace. It calls us and requires something of us. We, 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 we talk about having an open table every time. And we, we pride ourselves as Methodists and say, it's an open table to all who are Christian and want to come in relationship with Jesus Christ. But also, if you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this two meal is for you because there is power in this meal that you're able to be converted in the moment. But it does not stop there. It's causing and asking us to be transformed. To be Christian is to live a life ongoing, to have a desire to be transformed. And Paul is encouraging them to understand that, hey, yes, we have these spiritual blessings. Yes, you're called to be different. You are different. But also, while you're out here amongst each other, there's something in opposition for you. There's something in opposition for the church of Jesus Christ because Christ is the head and we are the body that make up the body of Christ and make up the church. 
And there's evil that is waiting because evil loves evil. But God desires for God's light to shine in the midst of darkness, and that is the gift of the church to the world. But we're too busy fighting amongst ourselves. We're in the midst of a schism. Nowhere can we be the light of the world if we ourselves don't have our house in order. It's an old churchy Baptist um, um, comment there. But the reality is that we are called to live into our baptisms, a gift of the Holy Spirit, to be able to be new people, to be light in the world. And, and Ephesians 5 tells us, therefore imitate God like dearly loved children. You were once in darkness, but now you are light in, the, light in the Lord. So live your life as children of light. Light produces fruit that consists of every sort of goodness and justice and truth. Goodness justice, and truth. And when we hear the words again talking about evil, um, evil and cosmic darkness and rulers and spiritual powers and all that, you know, evil is a part of the world. Matter of fact, we, we can look at the beginning of um, the Old Testament and, and we see the need for Jesus to come into the world. You know, when Jesus came in the world, what he was met with? Evil. Herod was killing all the baby boys, trying to kill Jesus, because he knew that that Jesus was a threat to his rulership, a threat to evil. And as Jesus kept walking around, knowing what was his fate, kept moving, kept pushing, kept resisting evil, because it was that costly that Jesus knew that evil would not have a last say-so, even though evil strung Jesus up on that cross. And it looked like evil had won. It had been a mockery of the followers of the way because their king had been crucified. But oh, I'm so glad that's not how the story ends. I'm so glad that God knew the story. It's a fixed fight. It's a fixed fight. God created the world. God knew. God did not create, create evil. God did not kill Jesus. Humanity did. Evil killed Jesus. But oh, the power of God is so much powerful that God raised Jesus up with all power in his hand, seating at the right hand of the Father. And guess what, y'all? We are too raised up as co-heirs, the same power. You have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in your heart. But we have to tap in and say, good morning, Grace. Grace, I'm here. Because there is a duality here. There is good, there is evil, there is evil, there is good, there is good choices, there are bad decisions. There's you're standing or you're sitting on the right, on on the sitting down and not standing up with your armor. That's one choice here, to stand with the armor of God because you have the spiritual blessings that are given to us through through the Holy Spirit. That is our power. And so you're still saying, yeah, that's in there. And matter of fact, Jesus tells Peter as he's going on to Calvary that he will die and on the third day he'll be raised up. And what did Peter say? No, no, no. 
You're talking crazy, Jesus. And Jesus turned to Peter and says, get behind me. Who? Yes. Anything evil is anything that's in opposition of God's will. Evil is the absence of good. So therefore, if you are not resisting, you are resisting the kingdom of God. And to, to bring him up to home and to our, our liturgy for baptism, we, 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 we can renounce sin and profess our faith. You know what we, these vows we took so long ago, I know it's been a long time ago. And I know once a year during our member of a baptism, that's so long ago too. But I'd like to remind you of what we, we believe and what we profess. You ready for it? All right. This is what it says here. On behalf of the church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin. And the body of Christ says together, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and justice and oppression and whatever forms they present themselves? And the body of Christ says together, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ is your Savior? Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord and union with the with the Christ, with the church, what Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. And the people of God say together, I do. Our baptisms are done in the context of vows, a commitment. And reminding here that these vows are connected to our baptism says that we have the power to resist. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us that God did not leave us out to the devices of our own, but we have something that causes the fights to be fixed. And Paul is giving them imperatives. We can't see this in the English, but these are imperatives to stand. Because despite on how you're doing the work of the church and you're, you're, um, you're practicing, practicing reconciliation and unity, you're, you're, you're doing all you can, you desire to do all you can, but... Life happens. Evil happens. People make bad decisions and hurt one another with violent decisions, whether physical or emotional. All these things are part of the, the, our, our everydayness. But what's encouraging for us to, to hear today is, is Paul is, is using imagery of the Roman empire, the, the soldiers that walked around in armor ready for fight, and he's using familiar understanding of the armor, but he's flipping it on the, on the opposite side. Paul is not asking us to be violent. God is not asking us to be violent by putting on God's armor. All that we're asked to do is put on the armor of God to be able to stand Stand when life gets hard. Stand when sickness wrecks our bodies. Stand when people don't treat you right. Stand when the world is not speaking the true word of God. Stand with conviction. And so Paul tells them, put on your armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. You're in fighting against yourselves. You're not fighting against 
flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and forces of cosmic darkness and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. And he tells them to pick up your full armor of God. We are invited. God has given God's gifts of God's armor for us to use. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news that we're able to, to put on God's armor? And the scripture tells us that in the morning, how we fight our battles is to put on our, on our belt of truth. This is how we fight our battles. We put on our belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of justice. The breast covers our heart. There's something about protecting our heart and protecting our faith that's in our heart. Put on the breastplate of justice. And as every day we know we have to do something else, we had to put our shoes on. Put your shoes on so as you're going to, to spread the good news, you're bringing peace. This is how we fight our battles. We get up and put on the armor of God. We put on the helmet of salvation. We adorn our heads with salvation because God is the author of salvation. God is the one that does the saving that all we got to do is put on this hat, this helmet of salvation. We grab another piece of armor to fight our battles. We pick up a shield our shield of faith and we in the as a, how we understanding is the, the, the army would, um, would put their, the, the, the shields of leather in water so when fire came, it would put it out. So we grab our shields and we have that ready to go. So when life is rocking us, when evil is confronting us, we have the shield to, to knock it away. We have the shield of faith. This is how we fight our battles. We, we pick up the sword, which is the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is living and alive and it convicts and it transforms. And not only do we have this, these armor here, if we, we take away from the, the, the militaristic understanding of it, what does it come down to? We fight our battles with truth. We fight our battles with justice. We fight our battles with the good news that brings peace. We fight our battles with salvation. We fight our battles with our faith. And we fight our battles with the word of God. And all this is asking us to do is to put it on so we can stand firm. Because I don't know about you, if you look on the news, the world needs God's armor to remind the world that, hey, there is good. Turn to the church. Turn to the people who call on the name of the Lord. But we're so busy not putting the armor of God that people have forgotten about the church. The church is, an, is a, a universal. It's oftentimes an embarrassment because we don't do what the scripture tells us to do. But today, stand, resist, lean in. All we got to do is put it on. 
and stand because it's a fixed fight. And not only do we have the armor of God to walk through this life, to, to be resilient, to set the world on fire with the word of God, we have our baptism that ushers us in and gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what we have? We have this meal. We have this meal here that nourishes us for the journey. So we don't take it lightly because this meal is an act of resistance. Only if we allow ourselves to be transformed by the body and blood of Christ because we know this is a harsh word. And John's gospel for today, they heard Jesus say, eat my, eat my body and drink my blood. And people said, this is a harsh word, and they walked away. This is also a harsh reality. But if you're able to, to, to take in and lean in, to put on the armor of God, and to, to nourish our bodies with these gifts of bread and wine, we're able to resist and stand and be nourished with Christ in the world. That's our prayer every single time we come to this table. To be transformed so that we can resist and stand firm against the evil day. So let's use this moment and reflect over the week and be challenged in new ways of transformation and stand with confidence and knowing that it's a fixed fight. Amen. Thanks once again for joining us on The Gathering Podcast. Grace and peace, y'all.